Okay, so we know there are so many opportunities to come to Australia right now. There is a skills shortage. There has been a total uh, review of the migration program and the minister's now given directions for which visas to process fastest. So today I'm gonna talk about the number one priority processing and that is for the healthcare or the education sector. So to explain that to you, first of all, I'm gonna give you an understanding of uh, how visa processing is prioritised, and then we'll also explore what kind of skills assessments and registrations you might need to work in educa education or healthcare in Australia, and then what are the different types of visa options that you might need to consider in order to then migrate. Hi, I'm Rhea Favole, CEO and founder of Solvi Migration, providing simple solutions for Australian migration. If you want to work, study, or even just vacay in Australia, and you've come to the right place for expert tips on how to stop the confusion and choose the right pathway for a holiday, student visa, or permanent residency in Australia, join me on Making Australian Migration Easy. As we say in Australia, no worries, mate. Hey there. Welcome to the fourth episode of Making Australian Migration Easy. I'm Rhea Favole, your host, and the CEO and founder of Solvi Migration, and a former Australian immigration official. In this episode, we will focus on the two industries with the fastest visa processing, and those are education and healthcare. Okay, so a lot of people don't know this, but there are actually processing directions that the immigration minister in Australia can make, uh, and those can determine, or they can direct the department and visa decision makers, which visas should be processed the fastest. So in this episode, I'm going to focus on the two industries that are currently being processed the fastest to migrate to Australia. We'll of course be rewarding our listeners with a thank you bonus towards the end. So sit back, relax, and let me tell you about how to get the fastest visa processing in Australia. Okay, so in last week's episode, I talked to you about what you can do to come to Australia and work in the agriculture sector. We talked a bit about coming short term, so you might combine a, a work and holiday and which countries are eligible for that pathway. Uh, we then also talked about some of the more temporary ways to come that might be as a short term skilled professional or as a seasonal worker as part of the Pacific Labor Scheme. Um, and then we also talked about the actual migration options for longer term stays or permanent residency as well. So agriculture has a lot to offer. But this week, I want to focus on one of the burning questions that people have, which is which visas get processed the fastest in Australia? And those are currently education and healthcare. There are other priorities that come after that, but let's just focus on the first one. And they come under the latest ministerial direction 100. And I'll also talk about the skills assessments and registration requirements for those occupations. And then we'll also talk about the different visa options that you have to come and work and migrate in those occupations. Okay, so we know there are so many opportunities to come to Australia right now. There is a skills shortage. There has been a total uh, review of the migration program and the minister's now given directions for which visas to process fastest. So today I'm gonna talk about the number one priority processing and that is for the healthcare or the education sector. So to explain that to you, first of all, I'm gonna give you an understanding of uh, how visa processing is prioritized, 
and then we'll also explore what kind of skills assessments and registrations you might need to work in educa education or healthcare in Australia, and then what are the different types of visa options that you might need to consider in order to then migrate. So topic one is the ministerial powers. So the current ministerial direction 100 was released on the 28th of October last year. And that highlighted the different uh, priorities for processing visas. So this is where the minister says to the uh, visa decision makers, here's the order that I want you to consider applications in. So the first says the fastest priority should be given to those who are in the healthcare and teaching occupations. Second is employer-sponsored visas and visa applications where you're nominated by an approved sponsor who has an accredited status. Visa applications are the third one that are related to designated regional areas. And fourth is uh, permanent or provisional visas that count towards the migration program. So this includes permanent residents like skilled, family, special eligibility, but it doesn't include New Zealanders or the subclass 188, which is the business innovation and investment visas. Uh, and number five is all other visa applications. So that gives you an idea of where the department's focus is on terms of prioritising applications. So let's focus on number one today, which is the healthcare and education visas and their pathways. So you understand about the different occupations. There's something called the Australia and New Zealand Standard Classification Occupations, otherwise known as ANSCO. So this is a skill-based classification used to classify different occupations and jobs in Australia and New Zealand against what the labour markets are. So the ones that are being prioritised, number one in Australia right now, are professions under the group of healthcare professionals, school teachers, uh, health and welfare support workers, uh, child care centre managers, um, medical scientists, counsellors, psychologists, social workers, uh, medical technicians, uh, those are the broader groups. And then when you sort of look at the actual specific uh, occupations that they've named in this direction, they've named school principals, childcare workers, uh, aged or disabled carers, nursing support workers, personal care assistants as well, um, which also is a type of uh, support work as well. So now going on to topic two, I wanted to step you through a little bit about what you need to do in order to ensure you can migrate with skills in those areas. And first of all, you'll need to make sure that you've had a type of skills assessment or registration. They can be done in one order or the other. Um, you, you'll need to make sure, do your research to find out what is the relevant licensing or registration body in Australia and where do you need to go to have your qualifications assessed. So. It's very straightforward if you've done your education in Australia or in a country that has an education system that's very similar to Australia. Um, for those who haven't, you'll need to do a bit more research into um, how you can get your qualifications recognised in Australia and there might be bridging courses and so on that you do. Um, it's it's a lot, so I'll just give you a bit of a, a tip. So there's actually 42 different assessing authorities in Australia, and I will pop into the notes at the end of this um, information on the department's uh, website. There's a specific web page where you can find out the names of those authorities. 
and then figure out for your occupation which one you need to go to. So there's going to be multiple ones even just within the healthcare and education sectors. I'll give you um, an example. So for anyone who broadly fits into uh, as a healthcare practitioner and you've qualified overseas, you'll need to have your qualifications assessed and there's different assessing bodies that will do that. Some of them will require that you apply for a registration first and then have your qualification assessed second. Some, it's the other way around. So APRA, that's A-H-P-R-A, is sort of the, the key authority uh, that people will look to for registrations and so on. Um, but there are other national bodies that are specific to your occupation. So let's give you a bit of a comparison so you know, I guess, where your research needs to go um, into here and to understand, I guess, um, why it might be a little bit complicated when you're, when you're doing your research. So for example, if you are a Chinese medicine practitioner, um, you will need to, as part of your registration application, um, you, you will need to have your qualifications assessed. Um, and you will do that after you've applied for registration. Um, that would be through the Chinese Medicine Board in Australia. Uh, if you are a chiropractor, you will need to have your qualification assessed by the Council on Chiropractic Education in Australia before you apply for your registration. Um, and then there's other bodies as you go on uh, as, as a dentist. Your qualification would need to be assessed by the Australian Dental Council before you apply for your registration. So there's, there's many different nuances that I guess you need to look into because there's different assessing bodies and uh, you'll need to work out for, for you where you need to go to and which order you need to do it. Do you need to register first? Do you need your skill, your qualifications assessed first? Um, where do you go to get your skills assessed? Because uh, depending on which occupation code will depend on which authority is responsible for assessing that. And then there might be a separate body for registration too. A bit confusing, I know, but I guess I wanted to give you a bit of a direction on where you need to go to start your research. So I'll give you a quick example of a client that we're currently working with who is a nurse. So with nursing, first of all, she had to become, go and have her, uh, get her registration as a nurse in Australia through APRA. And then we are submitting a skills assessment with ANMAC, which is the Australian Nursing and Midwifery Accreditation Council. Um, that's the process for someone who's done an overseas qualification, getting recognition so that they can uh, then apply for skilled migration as a nurse in Australia. If you want to come to Australia and work as a pharmacist, you'll need to have your qualifications assessed by the Australian Pharmacy Council, and that would be before you apply for registration. Of course, if you've come and you have studied here or in a country where there might be reciprocal recognition of qualifications, then it will be a slightly shorter process Something else that I would like to mention to people in terms of skills assessments, we would recommend that skills assessments should be done 
before you apply for the visa. For some visas, it's a requirement that at the time of the application, you have had the skills assessment. There has been some recent case law though, um, and this is for the general skilled migration visas. Uh, they have, they were, the courts have determined that you should have up to 60 days to lodge it. That's great if people are looking for renewal. So they already had a skills assessment, it expired, they need to go back to the skills assessing authority and just get them to renew that. Where it starts to become a, a bit of a risk, where we're talking about general skilled migration, you've got a live nomination, you have a time limit in which you need to then submit your visa application. If you are waiting on a skills assessment, you may lose your opportunity. So I, I wouldn't recommend to people that they take that approach when they're planning their migration. I'd always recommend that you try and get all of your skills assessments done first. So I also want to say, if you don't yet have the skills or work experience, then you can still consider coming to Australia and uh, studying. So then you'd need a subclass 500 student visa. Um, and you can find more information about that on our website. Uh, you'll be able to get qualifications for permanent residency, uh, and you'll also be able to work while you're studying in Australia. If you've already completed some studies in Australia, um, or you've completed a substantial amount of your uh, training in your profession, and all you need is some more work experience, you might need a 485 graduate visa to get the necessary work experience to get a positive skills assessment or sometimes a, a short, uh, what they call training visa, a 407, where you get on the job training, there'll be a training plan behind that uh, with your employer in Australia, and that will help get your skills and experience to a standard so that you can get a positive skills assessment. So just so you're aware in terms of the different visa options, sometimes you might need to be prepared to take two visas in order to get to permanent residency. Some occupations can go straight to that, but it, it actually depends on the occupation that you're qualified to do. So there are a number of different uh, pathways that you can take. You can have be sponsored by an organisation, such as an employer, or you can be nominated by the states or territory, or you can apply for a skilled independent visa, um, which is what the department will actually assess. So now you want to know, what are my visa options? I'm ready to come to Australia. I've figured out how to get my registration, my skills assessment. I have met the English language requirements for the type of occupation that I want to go into. Which visas can I get? And there are a number of different options. So in terms of the different visa options, you may be sponsored under what's called a subclass 482 visa. And then something similar to that is uh, the subclass 494, but that's just for regional jobs. So jobs located in regional parts of Australia. And those particular visas are granted for a number of years. The 482 is a bit more confusing because there's actually three different streams and depending on which stream will depend on whether or not you're creating a, a pathway for uh, migration permanently to Australia. So you want it to be the medium or the long-term list, but whether or not you can apply for those will depend on what your occupation is. Then the next thing is a subclass 494. Again, uh, 
depending on the occupation, but those ones are specific to regional parts of Australia. So if you're going to live and work in regional Australia and you have someone who is sponsoring you, then the subclass 494 is available. That visa is granted for up to five years. So we've gone 482 or 494. If you are on the medium or long-term list of the 482, you can then look to go to a, a permanent visa and be sponsored for uh, another permanent visa. If you're on the uh, 494, you can actually, after three years, apply for permanent residency directly yourself. So now I'll talk a little bit about the different uh, permanent residency visa options. So that's the employer-sponsored options. Now I'm going to talk to you about the nominated ones. So there's different types of nominations. There's state and territory nominations, or if you want to apply independently and be nominated by the Australian government, um, then that's another program. So they're part of what's called the General Skilled Migration Program. Let's start off with the subclass 491. That's granted for a five-year period, and then you'd be able to look to apply for permanent residency um, while you're on that particular visa. So after three years, you can apply for permanent residency. Uh, a lot of people want to jump straight to permanent residency because there's a subclass 190 or 190 um, that states or territories can invite you for, but it depends on your occupation. So less occupations will allow you to go straight to permanent residency. And that's the Australian government's way of, I guess, making sure that you're actually committed to a certain region and location. And it's also the state government. If they're going to nominate you, they want to know that they're going to get your skills in their jurisdiction um, for, for a period of time. They don't just want to grant permanent residency straight off unless it's certain occupations where they just really need them. Um, so you really need to do your research to see uh, if your occupation is eligible to apply for the 491 or, or, or the 190, or sorry, to put in an expression of interest. Uh, and then there's, you will also need to, to wait because the states and territories, they can decide in that program um, what are the number of points. So at a minimum, we might say 65 points for the general skilled migration program, but some states might require higher number of points just at the, the base level. There's also age limits with a lot of these visas. Um, so for the, the 482, the 494, and also for the state and territory nominated program, um, the age limit is 45. And there's no, uh, no ways that you can, can get around that for those particular visas unless uh, certain occupations may have exemptions. Um, but they would be highly specialised, highly skilled and educated professionals where that may be available. Um, I then wanted to talk a little bit about with those state and territory nominated things that you need to be aware of. So currently, as, as I'm sitting, um, those are processing quite quickly as long as you meet the requirements and invitations may come out. But you do need to be aware that an invitation is not guaranteed even if you meet all of the requirements. Um, in, in past, we would be giving advice to clients. They had to have a plan B. Currently, I'm seeing uh, that people are more likely to uh, have a little more reliance on that.
but you do need to be mindful that you need to do your research and see what's actually happening with migration in Australia because those policy settings can change um, throughout time. So next is what, another one that a lot of people are interested in, which is skilled independent, because that goes straight to a permanent residency pathway. That's a subclass 189 visa. That has a limited number of occupations, and you would go onto the department's skill select website. Uh, again, I would recommend that you've had your skills assessment and so on before you lodge the application, uh, and you need to have had your English tests and everything. You'd put your expression of interest and then you need to see if you are invited. There again is no guarantee that even if you meet all of the requirements that you will receive an invitation to put in a visa application. Um, but for those who do, and I would see when we're talking about the healthcare and teaching professions, give, given that they've been, um, the minister has given priority to those being processed, um, our professional estimation is that you're more likely to be successful if you meet the positive skills of uh, the occupations that are on the list for those visas. Uh, then there is a newer visa that I wanted to talk to you about um, that came into effect in November last year called the Subclass 191. This visa is specifically for people who were uh, on regional visas uh, and so that's the 491 which was the provisional visa that you can get under the state and territory nominated program, or the 494, which again is a, it's a region, you're working in the regions and you're sponsored by an employer. So they're great because after three years of holding those, you can apply for this subclass 191 and that is permanent residency and you don't need to have a sponsor to apply for that at this stage. So there are loads of options as you can see and a lot to think about and a lot of homework to do. Uh, again, this is why a lot of people do choose to talk to a migration professional and they might just say, look, it's just, it's too much and I've, I've done the research. I'd still recommend that you always do your research so that you can feel that you understand um, what is happening with your process broadly, even if you don't understand all of the technical legal details of Australia's uh, immigration processes. They're complicated, I know. There is one final visa that I would like to, or sorry, one pathway that I would like to talk to, which is uh, labour agreements. So there's something called the uh, Designated Area Migration Agreements, and they're a type of labour agreement where different regions and councils have come up with agreements with the Department of Home Affairs in Australia to be allowed to um, identify a number of occupations and potentially seek some concessions. Some of them may have concessions around the level of English required and some of those may have concessions around the age limit. So where you might go, well, unfortunately, I'm just a little bit over the age of 45, uh, but you have an occupation that is on one of those designated area agreements, and they are going to be in um, fantastic regional parts of Australia. Some of the occupations have what's called a concession up to the age of 55 years. Of course, that will require more research for you to understand what your qualifications and skills are. Um, all of these visas and all these opportunities, you, you do need to be able to prove that you're going to meet the occupation standards in Australia. But I just wanted to give that as a bit of a tip because I've had um, some people who are in the social work or teaching profession 
uh, come in contact uh, as clients and because they were 49, a little bit, um, uh, you know, over the eligibility requirements for the standard visas, but they were very happy to live in regional Australia because the, there's some really beautiful uh, towns with great amenities, great education system for your children and so on. And as long as they have the right occupation that's on that uh, agreement, they will be able to find uh, a sponsor and still be sponsored. Uh, most of the concessions that I've seen go up to the age of 55, but again, it's only under those agreements and it would be tied to a specific occupation. Lots more research for you to do. Um, I hope that I've pointed you in the right direction for your research and uh, your you know, understanding of the opportunities to come to Australia. I know it can be quite overwhelming and daunting, but I can definitely attest to the fact that it's a great country to live in, um, really diverse, lots of different opportunities, great employment prospects, wonderful uh, economy as well. We've got great infrastructure. The healthcare system is, is thriving and education, but we need more people like you to come on to the down under land. Okay, so today we talked about the two key industries that get the fastest visa processing in Australia right now. And those are the healthcare and the education sectors. And we went over why they're currently prioritised, what else is prioritised. And then we talked a little bit about the skills assessment process that you will need to go through in order to get your skills recognised for migration purposes in Australia. And we also then talked about what are the different visa options that you need to consider in order to do your research and come on to Down Under Land. All right, thank you so much for joining me on the fourth episode of Making Australian Migration Easy. I'm Rhea Favole and for you, my valued listeners, I would like to give you a special offer. Uh, if you wish to book a consultation with us, jump on our website, it's solvimigration.com.au that's s-o-l-v-i migration.com.au and if you click on book a consultation and it asks for a code if you enter five zero off that's five zero o double f you will get fifty dollars off your consultation in order to plan your migration to australia those consultations are fantastic because the staff will do all of the research, take the pain away from you, and all you need to do is give 30 minutes of your time and we'll do the rest of the planning for you. You'll be able to take away all of that information in writing to go and discuss with friends and family and start making some informed decisions about your migration to Australia. If you liked our show, please do like it, subscribe, and if you're on a platform that you can give a rating, please do share it with others, share the knowledge, share the love. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Making Australian Migration Easy with me, your host, Rhea Favole. If you're ready to get started on your pathway to Australia, you can book a consultation on our website, solvimigration.com.au. That's solvimigration.com.au. If you've enjoyed the show and have learned a thing or two, please share, rate and review our podcast. Your feedback means the world to us as we try and let more people know the best way to study and work in Australia in a way that sets them up for long-term success. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you later.